0: Dear listeners, Sai Ram and greetings from Prashanthinilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Rasa Vahini a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on... 27th August 2015. Have a listen, please.
1: We welcome you to this week's episode of Afternoon Satsang. As always, we are coming to you live from our studios at Pashanthi and this is Prem from Team Radio Sai. With me is Arvind. We are going to continue with our discussion on the ramakatha Rasavahini, the story of the Ramayana as beautifully expounded by our beloved Lord. But before we do that, as always, we begin by offering our most humble panams at Bhagwan's lotus feet and ruminating over the sweet nectarous name of Lord Shri Rama.
2: Shri Raghavam Dashagatatma jamaprameyam Sita Sita patim raghukulan maya ratnadeepam deepam
3: Dear listeners, we offer our most humble salutations at the lotus feet of beloved Bhagwan, and also offer our salutations to Lord Hanuman who is ever present whenever the glory of His Lord Shri Rama is sung.
1: We are talking about the Ramayana. Every time when Swami spoke about the Ramayana, he kept on saying that how is it that even after so many thousand years, you can pick lessons from the Ramayana, and most of them can be directly applied to your life. You know, there are other messages we have spoken about that also—the inner meaning of the Ramayana, where you have to ruminate over it, you will have to uh, you know roll it over in your mind, and then take the message. But there are so many other important messages which can be directly taken and applied in your life, be it the harmony in the family, be it the, uh, the brotherhood between the four brothers, or how. You know, be it somebody like Vibhishana, even though you have a brother, how you stand for dharma. And some of these things which you don't need to interpret, it is completely and directly applicable to modern day life too. And I think that is where this feeling of bhakti is kept alive.
3: Today also when we discuss the Ramayana, we will come across one beautiful instance of such bhakti of Jatayu. We had discussed last week how Jatayu had been slaughtered by Ravana. Now... Jatayu's sacrifice for Rama is so great and before we conclude you know this little discussion on Onam and move or completely the Ramayana i just was reminded of the significance behind Onam because Onam too has a great sacrifice as its basis. You know, it is the sacrifice, Swami has often spoken about it. It is the sacrifice of Emperor Bali Chakravarti who sacrificed everything for the sake of God. Jatayu sacrificed everything, his own life for the sake of God and that's why I was reminded of the same parallel where Bali also sacrificed his own life for the sake of God. In fact, Swami says that the Guru told him not to do the action that he had planned to do. Basically Vamana, the avatar of the Lord comes as a dwarf boy and asks him for three steps, three footsteps of land to gift him with the amount of land, how much is covered by the three steps that he takes and his guru says don't agree to this because there is a trick that will take away everything from you and it is not as if Bali Chakravati does not know about this and yet he is ready for it because he realizes that in losing everything, he will be gaining everything and so he accepts for that a condition and as this legend goes that Vamana grows in size and in one step he covers all the land in one step covers all the sky and then he asks where is the space for the third step. You know Swami in his discourses says that the three worlds mentioned here are the Bhu the Bhuvar Loka, the Suwar Loka, Loka, the gross body, the subtle body and the causal body or the body, the mind and the soul. You know so when the two steps are covered Vamana asked Bali, where shall I put my third step? And Bali realises that the thing that we hold dearest to ourselves, we may lose our money, our wealth, our health, everything and yet something that we don't give up is our own concept of ourselves, our self-concept, our ego, the Dehabi manam, as it is said. And then Bali Chakravarti tells Vamana that, you know, the third step you can cover, you can put on my head, symbolic of him giving up his body attachment, his Dehabi manam. It also shows how large our mana is. It is as large as the other two worlds. That big is our ego, that big is our self-concept, the wrong self-concept, that deeply immersed in illusion we are. And so, that is why you know, though the Navaveda Bhakti, Marga are considered as nine different paths to God, one way of thinking also says that these are the nine steps, a hierarchy in which the ultimate step is Atmanivedanam. It's not easy to do Atmanivedanam and that is what Emperor Bali did and I just felt that it would be apt that we remember his sacrifice At this point in time, dear listeners, we will take a little break. Immediately after the break, we will be back and we will continue with the story of the Ramayana.
4: (laughs) GAMARI Sri Rama 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 Se a veo manza, a Delhi zira machin tan do naam a veo I'm <laughs> is a ring of money. If a mother, 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 a Aadhu laghu Rama Man is the name. People the name. People
1: Welcome back, dear listeners. Continuing with the story as we left it off last week, we were in the point where uh, Lakshmana has drawn that famous Lakshman Rika around the hut. He has instructed Madhya Sita not to move out and he has gone in search of Lord Rama. In the meanwhile, Ravana has come. He has abducted Madhya Sita. He is on the way. He has had that duel with the bird Jatayu and he has managed to uh, defeat the bird and move on. And in the meanwhile, Lakshmana is going in search of Rama. And Rama too comes back. He is hurrying towards the hut. Knowing that you know this call which Maricha gave in the voice of Rama must have created a lot of confusion in the minds of Lakshmana and Sita. So he is hurrying back to the hut tell them that there is nothing to worry, he is absolutely fine and there he finds that Lakshmana is coming all alone. And the moment he sees Lakshmana, Rama starts saying that the first thing he says is Lakshmana you have disobeyed me. I told you never to leave the presence of Sita and you have disobeyed me and I fear that something must have happened there in your absence.
3: And before stating this, Swami again puts that disclaimer that he keeps putting that Rama realizes it's time to continue the acting. He already knows what has happened and yet for the For the sake of the drama to move on, for the sake of the Ramayana to move on, Rama then tells Lakshmana, Lakshmana why did you do this? You never disobey me and yet this time when I have specifically told you, because there are demons, there are Rakshasas in the forest, how can you leave Sita alone and come here like this? And when Rama questions Lakshmana like this, Lakshmana you know, immediately falls falls at Rama's feet and he says, Brother, you know me as well as you know your mind. You know, there is nothing different from your mind and me because your wish is my command, your desire is my command. I will never even dream of disobeying you. But then, brother, you know, the circumstances were very different. He then explains how the call was so similar or almost the same as Rama's voice. He said, when we heard your voice crying out for help, that created a faint flicker in our hearts. The thing is, you see, Lakshmana actually never felt that flicker, but in order to empathize with Mother Sita, Lakshmana here is telling Rama that I felt a flicker in the heart because when Sita had told Lakshmana that, you know, Rama seems to be in danger, Lakshmana was the least perturbed. He said, nothing can happen to Rama. We have seen Rama vanquishing thousands of ogres, how can one little deer harm him? But yet here Lakshmana is saying, you know, it's almost like absorbing the shock on behalf of Mother Sita. He says that we felt perturbed and when the voice came second time, Mother Sita told me to to leave i told her that i will never disobey you i will have to stay here and that nothing will happen to you but then again you know this is the quality of a real gentleman a noble person he never tells rama what mother sita told him the harsh word that she used and said that i think that in rama's absence you are coveting me he never says that to rama because he is a true gentleman he just says brother thinks that mother spoke are things that should not fall out of the mouth and should not fall into the ear. Hinting that I would not like to tell it and I would not like you to hear it. And therefore unable to bear to the best of my ability, I have drawn this protective line around the hut so that nothing can ever touch her. After taking all the necessary precautions because of this kind of emergency, I mean, I have come, oh brother. But I know I have made a mistake by disobeying you. He falls at Rama's feet and says even if you tell that I should pay with my life, I am ready for any punishment. You just say the punishment, I am ready to Take it upon myself because I deserve to be punished for disobeying you
1: I think it's a very important point that you made about the wording with which Lakshna says because very very carefully he says you know he conveys the intensity of his pain and at the same time does not you know reveal any much of the details because he says that as you said you know she said things which should not be spoken should not be heard at the same time that which does not fit into the relationship which exists between us the way I see her and I could not bear it anymore in fact much later when Another scholar steps in. That is Hanuman. You know that is how they recognize each other. When Hanuman comes, the way he speaks, Rama immediately tells Lakshmana. You know the way he speaks shows that he is not an ordinary Brahmin. Mm. You know he is more than that. He is a scholar who is he was mastered the art of conveying in words, very beautifully what he is trying to convey. You know, and uh, and there actually Valmiki even refers that Lakshmana too had the same quality, his ability to convey in words very very succinctly what uh, he wishes to convey. In fact, that's something which Swami used always mention that, that beautiful Chinnakatha which Swami says mm-hmm. about uh, you know a blind sage who is sitting in the forest and the king and his army gets lost. So. You know, the first thing is a soldier comes and he asks the old man, the sage, Oh, did you see any army coming by? And the man says, No, I didn't see any. So the the soldier walks away. Then the minister comes and he asks the same question. Again, the uh, sage says that, No, I didn't see anybody. I just saw a soldier going by. So the minister goes in the same direction. Then after something, the king himself comes. And when the king asks the same question, The sage refers to him, he says, see I am blind, but king, first your soldier came, then your minister came, now you the king yourself has come. And so the king asks him, you know, you are blind, how did you know that the first one was a soldier, the second one was a minister and now I am the king myself. So then he says, in the manner in which the question was posed, I could make out, you know, the level of learning of each of those people and I concluded that you were the most cultured, so you must be the king
3: you know, Vidya Dadati Vinayam they say, humility is a hallmark of true education. I mean that is really something to ponder about because today we see that as education and learning seems to grow we seem to become more pompous, proud and egoistic. And interestingly in this Chinnakatha when Swami narrates, he also says that when the sage reveals to the king that he knows that he is the king, the king says Oh, revered sire, people may think that you don't see, yet you seem to see more than anybody else. I mean, the words in which the king puts it, right. that also Swami says, So, it's always true. And you know, when Lakshmana is speaking thus to Rama, he also makes one important statement, in my humble opinion, which we should pay attention to. He says, brother, mother Sita behaved against her own nature because... He knows Mother Sita to be an epitome of calm, epitome of peace, an epitome of equanimity. Nothing bothers her, nothing shakes her. She has seen such great calamities where, you know, on the eve of the coronation, her husband is being sent away to the forest. Instead of the finest silks and jewels coming on her body, the bark clothes come on her body and she's calm through that. How is it that something is agitating her so much, even when a thousand demons attacked Rama was facing Khara and Dushana's army alone, Sita obediently went peacefully with Lakshmana to a cave. That is what we had discussed. So, Lakshmana has never seen Sita so agitated. So, she says, Mother behaved so much against her own nature. That is what forced me to behave against my nature. You know, as I read this part, what I felt is, we have always spoken of Rama being the Purusha, Sita being Prakriti or nature. In this particular episode, I feel Lakshmana is like the individual. And I feel that it is in order to change the nature of the individual, that the nature also changes her own nature. Prakriti changes her own nature in order to change the nature of the individual. Now in the story case, it was for the enactment of the Lord's drama. It is for the fulfillment of the Lord's mission. That is always the case. Nature always acts in a manner that is in sync with the Lord's vision, with the Lord's mission. And sometimes when nature seems to take drastic steps, it is only in order to make man correct his own nature. Just half an hour back, even as I concluded reading some other aspects of the Ramayana, I saw one news item that popped up which said that studies are showing there is global water rising. It has risen by almost the oceans and seas have risen by 3 inches and in months to come this will play havoc at the coastal areas. So these are real drastic changes of nature which are being neglected. I feel all this is is similar to Sita's changed behavior. She changes her behavior in order to change the behavior of man. I feel all these are indicators from nature that man, you have to change your behavior, you have to change your attitude, you have to change your nature. And once you change your nature, nature too will change her nature and go back to her loving, kind self.
1: I think it's not enough emphasizing how much ever we do on this topic because it's, it's really something which is, you know, glaring at us from the present. It was no more the future now. It's, it's something which is, which is really at us right now. Hmm. Coming back to this story where I think this is a very interesting part and maybe these are the subtle parts which differentiate the other Ramayanas from Swami's Ramayana because the first thing which we spoke of last week was that agreement which happens between Rama and Sita about how the plot is going to unfold. Hold and how they decide to keep it away from Lakshmana, and here he is continuing to play the drama because, as you said, even as Rama is returning after that Maricha episode, he's thinking that I have given enough time for the. Plot to unfold in the hermitage. You know, by now Ravana would have come and done what we thought he would be doing. So Mother Sita would have been taken away. And now he is continuing the drama. He's he's not accepting this as a argument which Lakshmana is saying. He again goes back to that saying that. But still you disobeyed me. I'm having a sense that something must have gone wrong in the hermitage. You know, because you should not have left. That is why I particularly told you. And it clearly seems to be a plot because I have been taken away from the hermitage. You have been drawn away, and something must have really happened wrong there.
3: You know, in trying to act out drama the lord seems to be overcompensating because rama breaks down he's almost in tears he's wailing which to a sharp and keen mind of lakshmanam he really smells something fishy going on here because first of all he has never seen rama so distraught on top of that now rama is being distraught before actually confirming that sita is gone i mean it is a possibility that something could have happened to sita but why is rama wailing and crying now But then, you know, Lakshmana's heart is so much with Rama that even though on one side his head is analyzing this as to why is Rama so troubled, his heart just shatters. He has never seen his brother in such a miserable condition, in such a pathetic condition where he is crying and wailing so despondently. And in an instant, Lakshmana decides that, you know, rather than live and see my brother like this, I will give up my life. I don't want to live anymore. But you see the beauty, you know, that... It really touched the innermost core of my heart so beautifully. Even as Lakshmana decides to give up his life, he then says, but wait a minute, if I give up my life, what will happen to Rama? He's already missing Sita. He's already distraught over the loss of Sita. On that, should I be so cruel to add on the loss of a brother also? Rama may just then give up eating, sleeping, everything else because he'll be so distraught. Who will be there left to serve him then? No, 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 no. So therefore, I should not give up my life. You know, Lakshmana decides to live because he feels that his life will benefit the Lord more than his death. And I was reminded of how Swami used to tell us students that Bangaru, I don't want you to die for me. In fact, the student had told Swami, Swami, I'm ready to die for you. Swami said, bangara I don't want you to die for me. Can you live for me? Because dying for me is a one-time affair. You can do it off easily, possibly. But living for me is uh, every moment by moment. It is going to be very challenging. It's going to be very tough. It will require you to surrender your heart, soul and body completely to me and have complete love for me and faith in me. Then only you will be able to live for me. That is the kind of decision that Lakshmana takes when he decides that i won't die for rama i will not die because i am unable to see it is so selfish because i am unable to bear the suffering of rama i'm just choosing to exit no i shall live for rama and that is why lakshmana decides that he will not die but he will live for rama and serve him even better
1: i think that's such a beautiful thing because even as lakshmana is thinking like this you know he is in a mental state where he is thinking that i don't want to live anymore hmm. you know let me die and it really is such an equanimity, which is, you know, in which he's even in that pain, he's able to think like this. On the other hand, of course, we've not yet come to that part where, but Jatai is lying there. You know, he's physically in no condition to live longer, but he's also saying, no, no, let me live a little longer. Let me do whatever it takes. Let me, you know, try to conserve my energy and conserve my life till the time when at least Rama can come and I can convey this thing to him. Hmm. You know, here is, we are talking about somebody who is not in a mental state to live any further, but decides to live on, but there is somebody who is, you know, physically the life is eking out of that body but is trying to somehow hold on so that he will be able to do this last service to the lord
3: by giving him information as right. to where right. he but saw
1: But before that Rama and Lakshmana speed towards the uh, hut the hermitage you know to the conclusion which Rama has already come they find that Mother Sita is not there he has already been kidnapped from there and now starts the point where uh, you know, Lakshmana sits and starts thinking that you know, there's something wrong here. You now there's nobody can touch Mother Sita first of all because you know her chastity and her purity, purity is such that nobody can even come near her. And somebody taken her away, and uh, she behaved against her nature. And Lord Rama is that equanimous self. And he cannot be distraught like this and there is no way because even when he heard about the death of Drasharatha, he did not react like this. Even when he was told that he's, he has to go away into the forest, he did not react like this. And now he's sitting down and crying. There is something amiss over here and he decides to confront Lord Rama directly.
3: <laughs> you know, I was reminded at home, whenever a birthday comes or some uh, event comes, we just decide that we will surprise the person. So, So, this is a frequent thing. I am sure it happens in many families. Where for a brother, sister, mother, father or husband, wife, you plan a surprise. Anytime at home, you know, when we plan a surprise, if we include father, my father into the secret, it becomes impossible to keep it as a surprise and a secret. Mm -hmm. Because my dad simply doesn't seem to have the ability to keep a secret or keep a surprise. It's not that he intends to give it away. What he does is he tries to act. In fact, he Mm overacts, which overcompensates, which makes the person whom we wish to surprise suspect that, hey, what's happening? Why is he behaving like this? Something strange, wrong. You know, by trying to act so well and... do the thing too, so that the surprise is kept. Uh, he overcompensates and let the person know that something funny is there and invariably they get to know it before the surprise. So therefore, you know, nowadays when we plan a surprise, we don't let dad in on the secret. So whoever is supposed to receive the surprise, they and dad both receive the surprise. Because letting father in on the surprise just reveals it to everyone. Uh, <laughs> that is exactly what is happening here. Because Rama and Sita, the divine beings, the way they have been, once they decide that, you know, they have to start their act, start their drama, The way they overcompensate, definitely gets Lakshmana thinking. He says, you know, first of all, yeah, I have never seen Sita agitated like this. Why on earth did she get so agitated? Well, if at all there is some strange reason because of which Mother Sita got agitated, why on earth is Rama reacting so, so badly? I never have seen him shed a tear. Always he has been wiping out tears. Always he has been conferring only joy. The greatest of tragedies, the greatest of miseries, didn't even touch a hair on his head. And today he is such an inconsolable mess. I just can't believe this is happening. Something is funny over here. Something is strange over here. And the very fact that so many things seem to be going strange, you know, Lakshmana, in the calm of his heart, just tells, you know, this is nothing but Rama's will, I need not actually worry. In fact, that is what consoles Lakshmana. Just imagine, Lakshmana is never at this kind of a peace, even when Rama and Sita were at Panchavati and he was doing his duties. But in the middle of such a drastic scenario, Lakshmana is able to keep his calm and peace because he keeps telling himself, this is Rama's will, this is Rama's will. I feel. Again, this is a very powerful lesson for us because especially in these times, you know, when we suddenly feel that Swami is physically not there and we feel this is the most drastic of times, we see things going bad, things going wrong and we wonder, Swami, what is this happening? How is that wrong is happening when you, the Lord, is there? I feel just like Lakshmana was intelligent enough to notice that this is the Lord overcompensating by trying to act as if that nothing is in his in His control. I think we should also have that wisdom of Lakshmana. We should pray to Swami that we get Lakshmana's wisdom to tell ourselves that hey you know what things can't go out of God's control and yet if they're appearing to be going out of his control this must be his script that it should appear to go out of control everything is perfectly happening as per Swami's will and see it's not as if Lakshmana then sat and said hey Rama you don't act you do whatever you want I know it's all under your will he helped Rama in the search he did everything possible put in his 100% effort but in his heart he was calm and peaceful I feel in the same manner we too should put in all our effort necessary to correct or change Change or head towards the positive to contribute to Swami's mission and work. But in our heart, we should be at calm. We should be at peace, saying that, hey, you know what? It's Swami's will. There's nothing to worry about.
1: And that's precisely what uh, you know is the solution that uh, Lakshmana comes to because he says that this definitely cannot be the way it has played out. And that Rama did not know that it was a demon in, in in a deer's form. He goes away, and then Mother Sita says these words and tries to get rid of Lakshmana and so you know he just goes and opens up with Lord Rama. He says look I know that there's something going on here. Mm -hmm. You have come here with a mission. You've come to the forest with a mission. The way you're going around uh, destroying some of these Rakshasas and you know uh, reinstating some of these hermits back into their uh, hermitages. Clearly you've come here with the purpose of destroying some of these evil forces and it looks like this is also one of the scenes in that play that you are making here and I somehow strongly feel though I am you know outwardly really shocked by what has happened internally I strongly feel that you have orchestrated this entire drama and then Rama with a beautiful smile on his face he says oh Lakshmana what can I hide from you after all you are verily really a part of me and how much ever we had decided to keep this away from you and try to keep you in the dark it seems like we cannot hide anything from you because you are that very sharp intellect which can come to the right conclusion in spite of all all the confusions in front of them.
3: You know, Swami would often say that Lakshmana was one of the Sukshma Buddhi, Sukshma Buddhi Galavadu Lakshmanadu. And we had seen one example during the wedding where Lakshmana is able to guess what is in Rama's mind in the same manner in the Shurpanaka episode also. We saw how Lakshmana is able to guess what is in uh, Rama's mind. Not guess actually, he knows what is in Rama's mind because he firmly is convinced that he is just a part of Rama. He is part of the Rama and therefore he is part of this drama. So here too, when Lakshmana says is Rama confirms as you said he says that there's nothing to hide and Rama says see when the baby starts crying for milk the mother tries to feed the baby the milk and it happens many times that though the baby is hungry though milk is being given the baby somehow doesn't seem to take the milk so the mother brings you know some kind of rattles some kind of toys distracts the baby and I also remember you know maybe when the child grows a little more uh, he or she just refuses to eat the food you know the mothers have different strategies mother point out to the moon and say see this is the moon this is the sun and you know just distract them and feed them because though the baby hungers for food When food is actually given, the baby somehow doesn't seem to eat it. So the mother has to make use of all these stratagems and distractions in order to feed the baby. And Rama says, in the same manner, I have come to nourish and feed Dharma. But somehow it happens that I have to make use of all these kind of different stratagems and distractions. The actual purpose is to nourish dharma and that is happening. Just like when the mother points out to the moon, it is not as if the feeding to the baby has stopped. Or when the mother plays a rattle, she stops feeding the baby. So to the universal mother, continues to feed, foster and nourish dharma, Though on the sidelines as distractions, some of these things happen. It is left to us to be wise enough to filter out the distractions and realize that what actually is happening there is not that a mother who is mature and grown is suddenly holding a rattle and playing like a immature child. We should be able to see through that stratagem and realize that the mother is actually feeding the baby.
1: Right. In fact, you know, he says that sometimes even uh, false things have to be done. You know, lies have to be told, as you said. You know, in the show the moon, all kinds of things sometimes fear is infused saying that so and so will come and catch you and take
3: you away <laughs> if you don't eat
1: and, right and lord rama says that you cannot see these activities as individual entities you know they might be right or wrong if you see it like this, you know, this is a lie This is she's creating fear in the child. But when all of this is put together, when the intention is to feed the child for the benefit of the child, it seems like everything is, all is fair. You know, that's how Rama says And Similarly, myself and Sita have come here for a purpose. We are playing these roles for the benefit of mankind. And whatever we do in this is justified. Because, I mean, we've spoken about it from the very beginning that some of the boons which Ravana has, you know, where he can be killed only by somebody who appears to be absolutely human with absolutely human abilities so he says that to fulfill all this this drama has to be played and now that i have revealed this thing to you now you too have to join in this drama and let the world believe that this is as it is going on and you know that sita was abducted and we are feeling bad and we are searching for her we are collecting allies and going and trying to restore mother sita
3: and you know there's one more point that rama makes to lakshmana in this entire dialogue he says that, you see, when people look up at someone as an ideal, they look up to that person not because the person thinks beautifully or the person speaks beautifully. It is because the person acts beautifully, the person leads his life in the perfect manner. In fact, I remember when we did this satsang on Satyam Shyam, Sundaram, mm-hmm. we started off with the question as to why did God choose what he chose for himself? We are running a 12-part serial called Satya to Sai releasing every Tuesday. One episode is being released. Dear listeners, in case you have missed it, do go to the website and watch these videos. They are really beautiful regarding Swami's childhood. Even in that serial, it begins with the question as to why did Swami make the choices that He made? Such as choosing a poor family, choosing a very unknown village, choosing a kind of time when there was a lot of problems all around. All seem like bad choices and we reach the conclusion that when Swami says, my life is my message. Swami knows that decades from now I will be saying my life is my message people need not even listen to what Swami has said, people can just look at the way he has led his life and then realize how one should lead one's life. Every avatar comes in such a manner so that it can say that my life is my message. Look at the kind of life I have led. And Rama too is doing the same. Rama says my life is my message. If I don't show the way of an ideal man, how else will common folk, how else will everybody get inspired to lead the life of an ideal man? In fact, Rama is called the Purushottama, the perfect man. So, therefore, Lakshmana, I I have to do all these, I have to do all these, I have to show I don't need to actually suffer sorrow in order to reach my objective. But if I do it in that manner, people will say that it is easy for Rama to do it because he has no sorrow. So he can just persist and get his objective, win his goal. But when I am trying to strive for my goal, I meet with lot of sorrow. So I can't say that I should be like Rama. But today I can say that let me be like Rama. Rama has lost everything now he has lost his kingdom, he has lost everything, he is in the middle of a forest with no friends and now he has lost his wife also. So really it becomes a situation with which even a common folk can empathize with and therefore Rama says to Lakshmana that in order to set an ideal for the ordinary folk because that is the true quality of a leader. Once again you know reading this I just feel if all the leaders that we have turn out to be even one percent like Rama, (laughs) I think Rama Raja will definitely arrive in the world.
1: Very true in fact this is a point which Chami has told in many of the discourses. The entire Ramayana is meant for, you know, giving lessons as to how to lead one's life and that's another point which Lord Rama emphasizes at this point and so they make up their mind so now let us continue with this drama let us go on to search and Swami says that immediately from the next scene both of them desperately start searching for Mother Sita they're going around seeing in which direction uh, Mother Sita must have gone but in the course as we said the bird Jatayu is waiting to convey that message before he uh, passes on to the next world but before we come to that we'll just take a short break we'll play out a beautiful song on the other side of it we will continue the story and uh, please don't go away because this is definitely another beautiful song coming away.)
3: Welcome back dear listeners, we are with the brothers Rama and Lakshmana as they set out in search of Sita. Of course, the first thing they do is look all around the hermitage, calling out to Sita. And, you know, we had spoken of how when Mother Sita is kidnapped by Ravana, the whole forest seems to be mourning. And Rama and Lakshmana see all those signs. The flowers seem to be droopy. The creepers seem to have fallen off. The birds are not chirping. You know, it nature responds in this manner. This happens, again, a little aside, Prem. You know, I have seen this in documentaries that are shot on the Serengeti. The, uh, grasslands in Africa where You know, there is a lot of wildlife. Mm. Whenever there is a massacre, I mean, a, a lion pride hunting or just before it actually happens, you know, baboons start screaming, birds start, you know, almost screeching, not chirping. The whole decibel level seems to go up and then the attack happens. But after the attack, it's almost as if, you know, the whole forest, the whole place seems to mourn for the soul that has died for a little time before it returns to normalcy. It's so beautiful. You can observe it even to this day. And so, when such a thing has happened where the epitome of nature, that is Mother Sita has been kidnapped, it is natural, that the nature also moans. So, that kind of eerie silence they see everywhere and as they search more and go further and further, To their horror, they discover the first signs of a struggle. They see blood and feathers and some kind of flesh fallen all around and the brothers are shocked. And they see at the center of this kind of a bloody mess actually is a dear friend of their father, that is Jatayu, lying there almost on the brink of death.
1: I think instead of we narrating that uh, what transpired between this devotee Jatayu and Lord, probably we will play a discourse clip. This is again the 1996 summer course where Swami spoke about the Ramayana extensively. In that, Swami describes how Jatayu came to live in that forest along with Rama, Sita and Lakshmana and how his last duty was performed.
5: Jatayu and jatayu interfered on the way as ravan abducted sita kani yenta addu tagilinaa pattukini in spite of all this aa rakshasudu ee jatayu nu rekka lu kotti veesi tirige vellipoyadu ravan has hit the two wings of jatayu rekka lu padipoyinaatundi jatayu praanam poyye munduga ye vidhamaina avasthalo aa vidhamainte avasthalu avasthalu padutundadi jatayu having lost both of the wings fell down and just at the last moment of death Knows. That this is a dangerous he situation. He came and saw this situation. They went on in search of Sita hither and thither. As they were in search of Sita, they could find certain footprints. That made Kul them to, to know that they said. There they saw the wings cut off. Rama, Rama, Rama Jatai was shouting Rama Rama. Rama ran there. Made Jataiu sit down Jatai the land. He asked what happened. Jatayav said that It's only Ravana that he can see me I fought with him But I couldn't help him This is the my plight now He sent Lakshmana to bring water And Rama made Jatayav drink water And Jatayav said Breathe this love. The didn't deserve this. The didn't deserve this. The Sardar didn't deserve not not if you ask mother oh mind never ask if you begin to ask it will be further adigatamani vadigana without asking shabari adigatamakai madiyu jetayuvu without asking pleading jetayuvu could Jatayu have Rama gave all the redemption the Though the father asked for it, but he didn't get the Where and when and how, what is going to kept in the it's all because of the merit of the past. There cannot be equality. We, we do not know what merit one has done in the past. The recipient of God's grace. <laughs> had the fortune of reaching last rites in the hands of Rama.
3: And that was the narrative of the episode there. So many lessons there, Prem. You know, the first thing that struck me was Swami is giving the example of Jatayu, saying that Jatayu never asked for a death where its final rites are performed by the Lord. And yet, he says that Jatayu got that privilege. Rama's own father, Dasharatha, He was very happy because he felt that now I have a son who is there to perform my last rites. That is a way of speaking in India, you know. It is said that you should have a son. It is good to have a son because he is there to do your final rites. Because it happens that the son does your final rites. So Dasharatha was very joyous. He felt that he has earned the right, earned the right to have his funeral rites performed by Rama because Rama is his son now. And yet, Dasharatha did not enjoy that. And so Swami says, don't ask. Don't ask at all. Many times, you know, I have heard Swami say in discourses, don't ask because you are so foolish that you will ask for something much lesser compared to what I want to actually give you. What God want To give is the ultimate, and yet we in our own petty mind ask for little little things. Now imagine God says, Don't even ask God. Don't ask anything because God knows what to be given, He'll give. When we ask, forget asking God, we go and ask humans. We ask people, we ask mother, we ask father, we ask friend, we ask this uncle, that auntie, you know, we ask of different people, how fallen and unfortunate are we that we go seeking from others. I also have heard Swami mention in discourse that if at all you seek, if at all you have to ask, then ask only God because only God is worthwhile in front of whom you can stretch your hand and Swami narrates a Chinnakata about this, you know, he says that there was this fakir, a fakir who goes about, you know, who lives off the compassion and love of others Mm -hmm. because he is totally lost in thoughts of God. Actually, Swami doesn't narrate it as a Fakir, He narrates it as a person in the forest A emperor comes hunting over there and the emperor is very fatigued and tired and he goes to this person in the forest and the person treats the king with all love and you know, gives him food, water. The king is very happy. He says, you come to my capital tomorrow, please. Because you know, I want to give you something. Whatever you want, you ask, I'll give you that. And so, saying so, the emperor leaves and this man is very happy. He says, wow, see, I did not expect this but this is a nice bounty. Let me think what I want to ask from the king. And he plans on asking something from the king and next day as he travels He reaches the king's chambers. The king has left a message that somebody will come to see me. Let him be near my chambers. So the guards take him to the chambers. And Swami then narrates how this person is sitting outside waiting for the king. Because as the guards inform him, the king is lost in prayer inside. And as the king is praying, the person sitting outside, he overhears the king's prayers. And the king is saying, Lord, confer prosperity and bounty on my land. Please give me a very strong army so that I will be able to bring security for the people. Please give me a good intellect so that I can rule wisely and well. Please let there never be a shortage of wealth so that I can feed all my people and keep them happy. And as the person hears this, there is a change of heart. He gets up and starts walking away. The king meanwhile finishes his prayer, comes and opens the door and he sees and he says, Hey stop, I am happy you have come sir, please come here. He says, No king, I want to go back. He says, Why? Ask for anything I will give you. Then the man says, you know, Swami says in that, in uh, in the discourse, that the man says, I thought I will ask you from something, but ask you of something, but today I realize that you are also no different from me. You are also a beggar, you are also begging. Why should I beg from another beggar? I will directly beg from the person from whom you are begging from. Why should I ask you? I will direct, because you also don't have anything, you are asking somebody else for that. I will directly ask that person only. And he walks away. And in that discourse, Swami goes on to say that, first of all, the best option is never ask anything at all you just continue doing your good doing your sadhana, doing everything and the Lord knows when to give, how to give what to give. But in case you are impatient you don't have the thing to wait you want to ask. If you want to ask then ask God directly. Don't go to any intermediaries, don't go to anybody else and you know though Swami was narrating the episode of Jatayu, this episode hit me and my thoughts went off into that direction and I feel that's a very very powerful message for us to follow.
1: And there's a beautiful contrast here which when Swami is speaking about Jatayu and Swami is drawing our attention to this fact that Jatayu you never asked you know as we said even those last moments when you know probably Chatta you could have Said that you know, what is the point? I am not going to live any further, and you know uh, why should he even try to live for that? But even mentally, he is thinking of what what is that last chance I have to be of service to Lord Rama. The same thing we spoke about Maricha the previous week, and uh, we said that what if Maricha decided that last moment, let me not call out, let me or let me call out to uh, Lakshmana saying that don't leave Sita, Ravana is mm-hmm. coming to kidnap her. Even Maricha was having noble thoughts that I am so lucky to die at the hands of Lord Rama, you know. That devotee in him was coming out, probably even there, Maricha was thinking about the fortune which was laying in front of him. He was not thinking of what can I do in service to Lord Rama. Hmm. But if you see Jatayu here, probably he, he also could have thought that, you know, let me keep myself alive. Probably I can die seeing Rama's face. But that was not the thought running in Jatayu's mind. Jatayu's mind was thinking, you know, what last service can I be of to Lord Rama? And probably that is why Swami is highlighting this fact that Jatayu did not ask and so I conferred this on him. You know, the greatest blessing, which even my father did not have, Rama says, let me confer it on you. In
3: fact, beautifully, you know, Swami writes in the Ramkatha Savahini that Rama sits on the dusty floor. He picks up the head of this Eagle King and places it gently on his lap. He cleans the feathers. He gently strokes him on the head. And as this is happening, you know, Jatayu is in tears. One is the sorrow. The sorrow that, you know, I have failed my Lord. I failed in stopping Ravana from taking away Sita. That is the sorrow. At the same time, there is joy because, Oh God, what a fortune this is. Oh Rama, how compassionate are you? Because you know, the devotee, a true devotee always thinks in that angle. Jatayu is thinking, Rama, I have been of no use to you. I have not helped you. I have not, you know, I have let you down actually. And for that, you are rewarding me with this. What great blessing it is. So as Jatayu is shedding tears, Jatayu tells Rama that Rama, you know, Mother Sita called out, I am weak. I am weak Rama. I I barely am able to fly. But you know Rama, the magic of your name, I just said Ram, Ram. And with your name, I got the energy. I got the strength to fly. I got the strength to fight. But Rama, I think it must be my own failing because, because of which I was not able to defeat Rama. It must have been some lacking in my faith, some lacking in me, because of which Ravana was able to chop away my wings. Otherwise, to a person who takes your name in full faith and glory, what can ever happen? So, Rama, I I am sorry that I failed you. And Rama says, no. You know, he comforts Jatayu. He knows it is the last few dying breaths that Jatayu has. So, he comforts and as Ra- Swami also mentioned the discourse clip, tells Lakshmana to fetch water. He pours water into the mouth of Jatayu. You know, this is one of the final rites that is done and it is a great privilege to get it from from the divine hands and then Jatayu realizes that everything is part of the Lord's master plan. Even him failing to stop Ravana because if we see had Jatayu stopped Ravana then so many other things would not have happened. You know we have often spoken about how Ramayana is not about the killing of Ravana. Possibly Jatayu could have killed Ravana had Rama willed it but then Jambavan would have lost the chance Hanuman would have lost the chance, Sugriva would have lost the chance, Vali would have lost an opportunity, Vibhishna would have lost... How many people would have lost the opportunity? And as we read Ramkatha more and more, this gets imprinted even more within us because when it comes to the battles, you see Swami finishes off describing it in a paragraph or two. But when it comes to the interaction between the Lord and the devotee, Swami writes about it in great detail. Seeing Swami's emphasis, it makes us believe that Rama... Did not come so much for the annihilation as much as he came for spending time with his loved ones. And so, as Jatayu is getting the opportunity of a lifetime, even in his death, he performs the final service of telling Rama that, Rama, it is Ravana who has kidnapped. Because actually, we see till now, uh, in a human level, Ra- Lakshmana and Rama don't know what has happened to Sita. At a divine level, Rama knows that Sita has been taken by La- Ravana. But it is Jatayu who informs the Lord that, Lord has gone to Lanka, has gone southwards, this, in this direction I saw him flying last. He is the emperor of Lanka, so in all possibility he has taken Sita to Lanka. You know, this is like Swami would see a group coming from some place maybe and he says, oh, how many people are there? And the person who would be walking behind would run and get this opportunity to carry information to Swami. Swami knows everything and yet he would ask how many people have come, how many gents, how many ladies. In the same manner, Rama knows everything, but Jetayu got this opportunity of giving information to the Lord before breathing his last and having his final rites in the funeral being performed by the Lord Himself.
1: And uh, in another discourse, you know, Swami says we are talking about Jatayu having the ability to think of Lord Rama and look at Lord Rama and you know, the end is life. But in another discourse, Swami says that after the entire, you know, this whole episode is over and Rama retrieves Mother Sita, the Patta is happening in uh, Ayodhya. When Rama chooses to get up and acknowledge all those people who have helped him in accomplishing this task. And uh, the story goes that everybody is there. Vibhishana is there and uh, Sugriva is there. Jambavan is there. So he kind of calls out all these names and says that I owe my gratitude to all of you. I owe my gratitude to Hanuman. At that time, he doesn't forget these two characters. One is Jatayu and the other is Guha. Swami says that He mentions Guha and He mentions Jatayu. He says that He was one person who gave His life in trying to stop Ravana. And you know, to die thinking of the Lord is one fortune, but to have the Lord think of you even after you are dead, I think that really shows a life of service. And another thing which probably we'll take it up in the next week, where Swami compares the life of three devotees and their service to Lord Rama and Jatayu is one where he says that you know probably he did not have the opportunity to live a life of service to Lord Rama you know Hanuman has that opportunity and uh, Sugriva has the opportunity to live for a longer duration in service but Jatayu probably did not have that opportunity but when he felt that you know this could probably be the last chance I am getting you know I am an old I am an aging uh, bird I cannot fight much I cannot serve much but probably I will not get an opportunity more than this so even if it means dying in the process Let me be at it. And I think that again is a very, very beautiful message to all those people who say that, Oh, I've come late to Swami. Oh, I've spent so many years and uh, and now I've come. But, you know, the Lord is so compassionate that He does not see how many years you've spent with how much vigor and with how much intention and intensity are you ready to offer that service. I think that's what gets rewarded. That's
3: That's a really beautiful point because what matters to Swami is here and now. So even at this point in time, at this particular place, if I am able to muster up all the intensity of devotion and love for Swami, that's enough for Swami. It is not as if I have to spend 10-20 years in service in order to deserve. Because you know Swami has Himself said, if you need Me, you deserve Me. If we just need Him strongly, that's enough for us to deserve Him. After the funeral of Jatayu, Rama and Lakshmana proceed ahead and actually a time-wise, a large part of the Ramayana takes place here. But qualitatively, Swami finishes the description within one paragraph. Two demons which the brothers annihilate. One is a lady by name Aja Mukhi. And Swami describes how Lakshmana is responsible for chopping away her limbs and killing her. She comes with the similar intentions like Shurpanakha. And she has the desire to, you know gobble up one of the brothers and marry the other and that is the time Lakshmana comes and chops her up to pieces and that is the end of that ogress. Again, you know shows how everything is a master plan. Why is it that Shurpanaka's only nose and ears were cut and she was let away while here Ajamukhi is chopped to pieces because Shurpanaka had a further role to play where she has to instigate Ravana to come and kidnap. So you see all this comes in over there. Therefore, that is one demoness that Swami describes. Again with just 3-4 lines he describes how Lakshmana slays Ajamukhi and then
1: Then they move on and they come across another uh, very very different looking ogre because here is by name Khabanda Mm. and this is a very odd looking being because it is headless does not have a head but in the place of the stomach it has a head Mm. and it has arms which are sweeping long which you know grab things from a very far distance and uh, not much in the Ramkata, but in a different discourse Swami describes that the grip of this. Ogre is supposed to be so very strong that when this, uh, demon stretches out and catches hold of Rama and Lakshmana, none of them are able to release themselves. Mm. They are not able to, uh, you know, overpower this demon and this demon is about to gobble up these two. And Swami says that at that point, Lakshmana says that to Lord Rama, he says, uh, brother, let me offer myself as food to this ogre. You carry on and you look for, you know, Mother Sita. And Rama says, no, no, let me become an offering to this demon and you carry on and you to somehow go southward and try to find And take her back to Ayodhya. And Swami says, you know, see, this is what Ramayana is all about is trying to teach you what what it is to be ideal brothers, you know. Rama has the confidence that even if I give up my life, my brother will go in search of my wife and, you know, try to restore her honor. And here is Lakshmana saying that it's okay, let me die. You carry on. You have the duty of going and looking for Mother Sita.
3: Swami would narrate the story of how Alexander noticed when he came to India, two farmers come up with a fight and they come to their local king and Alexander is observing this. That's how Swami says. The person says that sometime back this person sold his land to me and today when I was plowing the field I found the gold. So Alexander realized that yeah this is indeed a problem now because that person's land had the gold but now it has been transferred in ownership. He then is shocked when he realizes the fight is about the farmer who found the gold saying king I bought only the land I didn't buy the gold that was in the land and therefore I think this pot of gold he should take my brother should take it my brother meaning not his actual brother but the other farmer and the other farmer is saying that no king see when I sold the land it's not as if I'm selling only the mud whatever is below the mud whatever the everything belongs to him. So now if the gold was in the mud, it belongs to him. And he's so touched by this kind of fight which arises because of sacrifice and you first. All our fights today arises because of me first attitude where everyone is selfish. So as you said, Ramayana lays down the ideals for all of us to follow in any kind of relationship. And it is indeed our privilege, honor and pleasure that we are able to go through the Ramayana the two Ramayana that has been written by the Lord himself, by Lord Sri Rama himself. Dear listeners, we shall proceed Further, to a most beautiful episode of the meeting of Lord Rama and Lakshmana with Shabari. But I think today the time is complete. And before we conclude, as always, we offer our most humble salutations to Lord Sri Rama and Lord Hanuman, who is ever present wherever Rama's glory is sung. Thank you. Jai Sai
0: Sai Ram, You just heard an episode of our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 27th August, 2015 dear listeners we hope you like this program as always send us your feedback to listener at radiosci.org thank you and loving sairam from prasanthi nilayam